from the Spirits podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Eric. And I'm Misha. And we are here with our good friend Misha Stanton. Hello. Senior audio editor here at Multitude and all-around friend of the show, longtime supporter, longtime pal. Welcome, Misha. Hello. Welcome. Yes, it's been a full 300 episodes of this show since I was last on this show. Wow. Past and future guest. And thank you for joining us for a Hometown Urban Legends episode. My pleasure. Now, Misha, what was your formative urban legend milieu like? What were you telling friends at sleepovers and camp and uh, drama practice? Oh, what a good question. Um, I don't know. I came from a pretty... Maybe I just wasn't like privy to it, but I, my, I don't remember a lot of urban legend sort of culture growing up. I mean, there was stuff at summer camps but I stopped going to traditional summer camps halfway through my summer camp experience and went to a place that didn't, re- again, didn't really have urban legends. It's interesting to me that I, I, you asked me this question, you know, think about what urban legends I grew up with. And I, I, can't, I sort of came up empty. I can tell you about the time that me and two of my neighbors uh, whipped ourselves into a hysterical frenzy and could swear we saw a ghost bleeding from the eyes at a uh, construction site as a new house was being built on our street. Mm, mm, yes. I want to hear that in the back half of the episode because I have an urban legend that is going to segue perfectly into it. But perhaps then, Misha, you became a spooky adult, a TM. How did you get into uh, spooky shit and, you know, being a a ghost queer? (laughs) Is that true? I didn't. I don't know if I knew that about myself. Am I a spooky queer? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe theater kids and spooky kids have a lot. You know, I mean, you're definitely, you're definitely not not spooky. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. This is news to me. (laughs) I mean, in a a good way. I mean, all of this, all of this is things we we love about you. Oh, yeah. No. And I appreciate that. It's just like, what a wild way to find something out about yourself in the middle of a podcast. Well, I think, Misha, if if I were to have like a haunting experience or, you know, have an, like, find an interesting urban legend or be like, look at this yokai, look at this pal, you'd be really into it and maybe you're just supportive of your friend's hobbies but that's that's more what i'm referring to i am very supportive of my friend's hobbies that's true i've always been a fantasy kid so i always like wanted to see fantastical stuff around every corner yeah i do love exploring an abandoned building or an abandoned place that's a pretty good time and um i would like to say that uh, uh, like i myself maintain an air of party cryptid yes where like I'm never like the center of attention at a party, but I will drift from room to room and then at the end of the night completely leave. Like I'll say goodbye to the host because that's <laughs> just good fairy lore. And then I'll just com- completely leave and people will be like, when did you leave that party? I'm like three hours before it ended. Incredible. Can confirm we did go to a party recently uh, after PAX Unplugged and I it was like a, like a three story uh, apartment townhouse situation. And I at one point could have sworn I turned my back to Misha in the kitchen and turned around they were not there and then later on the roof saw them outside with new people and i was like what how'd that happen (laughs) yeah i do love to drift and to like sit in dark corners and observe the party until someone notices that i was there and then i'll talk to them as though they were a weary traveler upon the road that's good that's good yeah that i mean i i think i think we've honed in on the spookiness that you that you that you have you you yourself are not a spooky person it's not like we see you and we go ah it's one of you have an air about you that is that has an a, a, a ethereal presence to you that yes. I feel like you you drift you you're here you're there you're everywhere well thank you yeah you got to be the urban legend you want to see in the world really exactly exactly and we do call you um our audio fairy because you 
edit ep- we'll like we'll upload footage at the end of the day, you know, and then go to bed. And then the next morning, Misha has sprinkled like so many tooth mouses, you know, under our pillow. Um, <laughs> several final versions, <laughs> several episodes edited and ready. That's my that's my new uh, persona in the multitude slack is the editing fairy that comes in the middle of the night while all of you should be sleeping. Although the amount of times I catch both Rue and Eric awake when I'm posting things, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. you guys shouldn't be awake when I'm posting things. And then I, I post know. them with little fairy emojis and I'm just like, I leave you, I leave this little podcast under your pillow for the morning. Enjoy. <laughs> now, now this brings up an interesting question. Now, if, if Misha's the audio fairy and I edit this show. Yes. I don't think Misha has ever, has ever touched the spirit's waveform as far no. as I know. I know Eric no. Silver edited one when I, when I had a family thing pop up. Yes. Uh, but uh, what does that make me? What mythical editing creature am I, am I the editing ogre by the editing centaur what 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 uh presence am i bringing mythologically to the to the edits of this show yeah exactly i think i think this is something we have to marinate on i think Mm. we got to get some suggestions from listeners and i also want to make sure um that julia who is off this week dealing with some family stuff is able to weigh in so listeners, let us know what what kind of uh fairy creature fae uh, bridge troll does eric schneider remind you of you you Um, do have to pay the toll for me to put out an episode and that toll is waveforms (laughs) Yeah. If I don't have the waveforms, you ain't getting across this bridge to a release. It's true. It's true. Well, Misha, we have prepared uh, several tasty urban legends for your consideration today. Mm, So mm, you want to start off uh, with some stories? Yes, please. All right. Now, you um, are a famous cat parent, uh, at least in my eyes. And so I thought I would bring to you a ghost cat (gasps) urban legend. Ghost cat. Yeah. So this comes from Sam, she, they. And it's titled, of course, Ghost Cats. Uh, Hi, Spirits team. I just finished episode 318 and wanted to send in my own ghost cat story. Hope you like it. My sister and I both went to grad school in Boston. In June of 2016, we moved into a three-bedroom apartment in Brookline. Okay. And now, Misha, uh, you famously uh, also went to school in Boston. I did. I went to school in Boston. Uh, I never lived in Brookline. Brookline's kind of on the western side of the city down towards the end of the Green Line. But a great place for college kid party houses. Absolutely. That is exactly the intel I was looking for. Excellent. Okay, so I have party kid, a house that probably belongs to someone's grandma and people don't love that they're uh, having parties now. Yeah. I'm going to have that in my mind. Yeah, like some some grungy art houses, definitely some like good basement punk venues out in Brookline. Good. Love it. So someone from my sister's cohort moved into the third bedroom in the apartment. The building was creepy and old. The lights in the basement were entirely too far apart for comfort, creating shadows in cobweb-covered corners that scared me every time I went down there to do laundry. It was definitely a murder basement. I screamed at least one time when another tenant entered the laundry area when I was getting my clean clothes. That's not something you want to hear someone scream if you're like cohabitating with them, just like screaming, this is a murder basement. It's not something you want to like hear as you are about to like do a load of whites. (laughs) Oh, um, that might've been my diction here. So different sentences. It was definitely murder basement, period. I screamed at least one time. Ah, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So they did not scream, this is a murder basement. I totally agree, Eric. I also would not want to hear that in a basement. (laughs) Now I've never lived in a, in a building with, uh, laundry in it. That's that's for my 40s, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, Schneider, have you in any of your Midwestern apartments had laundry in building in a way that was creepy? Kelsey's apartment when she moved to Cleveland, 
it was right across the hall, but her apartment was one of those ones where the bottom floor, which is what she lived on, was like kind of half buried. And the laundry room was also like the storage room. And it looked like it was everything was kind of put in there maybe in 1812 <laughs> and had it which was weird because there's a lot there's there's a functional washer functional might be the wrong word there was a washer and dryer it yeah, kind of did stuff uh yeah. so that was that one was pretty creepy but the the apartments that i've had that had um laundry in them nothing particularly creepy uh about about them uh the one creepy thing is in in our current house which is not haunted misha Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'll have to take your okay. word for it. We do have, we do, and you'll have to only take my word for it and not Amanda's <laughs> and Julia's um, specifically. Uh, our laundry is actually on this floor, which is the second floor of the house. And the thing that is great about that is it's right, right down the road from, from the bedroom. Sure. The bad thing is it does shake the entire second floor of the house, <laughs> which makes my monitors just kind of, while I'm working and doing laundry during the day, just kind of shake uncontrollably in a way that is a little headache inducing. The first time I have it, I was like, what? What? Why is the room shaking? What's going on? Oh, just yeah. just laundry. Put, putting a big cyclotron in the middle of a wooden frame is a choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could get like one of those drummer acoustic pads, I guess. But I know you've had your your troubles with the laundry machine to begin with. Maybe you don't want to disturb that. Yeah, I will say this: the start of this story completely tracks with me, just because I lived in a slumlord's house in Somerville that we called the House of Sue, that definitely had laundry in a murder basement. So this is mm. right in line with what I know about living in Boston. Now you said that house had a had a name. Yeah, the name was the House of Sue. We can get back to that later. <laughs> Okay, let's let's definitely do that when you tell us your other story towards the end of the episode. <laughs> Maybe I'm more of a cryptid than I thought. <laughs> See, you're learning a lot about yourself. TBD. Okay, so in this basement, there is not only the laundry room, but each apartment had a storage unit also in the basement that looked like it had been legit a horse stall in a previous century <laughs> with stall doors and all. This, this is literally, they are describing Kelsey's. This is very similar vibes. My only objection as a horse girl TM is that you're not getting a horse into a basement. A horse is not going in a basement. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe they like purchased the hardware from a barn that was being torn down and put it down there. But you're not getting a horse in a basement. You're just not. Who knows what horse-like creature might have once lived in this basement. It's true. It's true. The basement would have been the perfect place for a legitimately scary Halloween party had we not all been permanently exhausted grad students with no time or energy for fun. My cat Milo, of course, moved into the apartment with me. Like all cats, he doesn't respect the boundaries of bedrooms unless doors are closed, Mm -hmm. and he made himself at home in whichever bedroom he wanted to be in at any particular time. I always slept with my door open so he could go in and out as he pleased, hoping that he would come in and sleep on me the whole night. Sometimes Milo would be chilling under my sister's bed when she was trying to go to sleep, and rather than forcibly evict him, she also left her door open when she went to sleep. Our third roommate slept with his door closed, and Milo rarely spent time in that room anyway. So one night, maybe a month after we moved into the apartment, I woke up in the middle of the night. I checked my watch to see how much longer I had to sleep before my alarm went off and I had to go to my lab. It was 3.30 a.m. I saw Milo sitting on his favorite windowsill in my bedroom, staring at me. (laughs) He seemed fine and wasn't committing any crimes, so I went back to sleep. Misha, cat owner, how typical is this behavior? Oh, 100% typical. The cats will be where they want to be. Cats were for a little bit, they're believed to be nocturnal creatures. They actually probably are crepuscular creatures, which is that they are active at twilight. So sunrise and sunset are their most active times. And so uh, you really can't predict a cat's schedule. They're also like at least semi-liquid. They can get into any space mm. that it's like an octopus. Any space that can fit their beak. <laughs> 
a cat can get into. Incredible. Yeah. So later that evening, my sister and I were making dinner together, and she mentioned that she had seen Milo staring at her like a creeper last night. That's so weird, I said. Milo was also staring at me like a creeper. What time was that? My sister said, 3.30 in the morning. I said, uh, Milo was in my room at 3.30, staring at me like a creeper. Our other roommate then chimed in, saying he had definitely seen Milo on his windowsill at exactly 3.30 in the morning, staring at him like a creeper. And he remembered it because it was weird since his door had been closed. (laughs) After the three of us recovered from the icy chill that came with the realizations that one, we'd all been awakened at 3.30 on the same morning, and two, that each of us had seen a cat on our windowsill at the exact same time, we decided that the only explanation that made any kind of sense is that we had two ghost cats living with us. Yeah. One of us had seen the real Milo, two had seen the ghost cats, which we named Ginger and Mittens. Amanda, this thing happened to me in the house of Sue. This exact thing happened to me at the house of Sue. Okay. No kidding. So I lived in this house in Somerville, Massachusetts, right near Porter Square. And I moved in there with my girlfriend at the time, and it was just like a summer lease. We were subletting from someone. Turns out people had been handing off lease to lease to lease without really like a full move out for the past 15 years. Um, And this house had just it had like five other roommates in it. We were on like the second and third floor of the Victorian house. And. Like, there was stuff in it that, like, people didn't remember whose it was. It was from previous tenants and, like, just left in, like, a trophy case in the dining room. This kind of place. One of the other tenants had a dog and a couple of them had cats. And so, we, you know, I've I, this at this point in my life, I had not had do- any kind of pets really beyond, you know, fish. But my girlfriend at the time was really, you know, into dogs and okay with cats. So we, we moved in and it was fine. And we lived there for about uh, two months. And it was called the House of Sue because the landlord was a Chinese man named John Sue, uh, who like would show up and uh, be very shady landlord business practices and then completely leave without fixing anything. And one of the other housemates was a sign maker and had cut out a metal sign that said the House of Sue in like a fancy like New York Times font and put it over the front door. As we were living there. This was the end of this handoff. Everybody was starting to move out. And like somehow my girlfriend and I, who were there the shortest amount of time, ended up being some of the final people in the house as people were leaving and just leaving the place. Gross. Just disgusting. Yeah. But right before one of the other tenants moved out, my girlfriend got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And, you know, in the house, ha- the house had a gray cat and an orange cat and then a couple of dogs. And so we had seen the cats around. But she woke up in the middle of the night and went out to the bathroom and staring at her were two identical copies of the orange cat. They no. it had split in half in the middle of the night and were both staring at her. Turns out there had been three cats living in the house the entire time. One gray cat and two orange cats. And we just never seen them in the same place the entire time. Oh, we were living damn. Uh, yeah. So I definitely like something about weird, crusty Boston houses splits cats in quantum space and allows them to be wherever they want to be. That's really the cat version of the like the Tumblr thing I see going around of would it be creepier to find a ghost in your attic or a person, which we have covered on the show before. And the answer is definitively a person. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when we got back from from Christmas, this this is not going to be as scary as the lead it is going to be. <laughs> when we got when we got back in from Christmas, I unlock the back door. But then my memory immediately lapsed. And I was like, the back door was unlocked. 
but, it, well, but like after like reevaluating it, it yeah, definitely yeah. wasn't. But for like the next week, anytime I heard something, I'd like double investigate the attic and the basement because yes, yeah, I was yes. just like, "What if someone's in here?" And I'm like. If someone was in here, I work from home, I would have noticed it by this point. And no yeah, one is yeah, coming yeah. or going. It is quite obvious no one is here. But like for like for like a week, I was just like extra paranoid that there could be someone in the house. And there there wasn't. Oh yeah. No, totally relatable. So just to finish up Sam's story, they add, I lived in that apartment for three years and multiple nights a week would feel a cat jump up on my bed and walk around. But when I sat up and looked for Milo, there was no cat on the bed. I like to think that Ginger and Mittens were comfortable with us and enjoyed sleeping on my bed with me, even when Milo was off committing nocturnal crimes. If you want to see a photo of him, happy to send one in. If we were in high school, he'd totally be a theater gay and wants you to paint him like one of your French girls. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Sam. Uh, thank you, Sam, for the relatable experience of also experiencing a quantum split ghost cat in an apartment in Boston. <laughs> I didn't know anyone else had that experience. Apparently, it's very common. Maybe it's in the water. We, we will never know. <laughs> Love that dirty water. That's a Boston reference. <laughs> I'll take your word. <laughs> the, the people who lived in Boston will get it. That's that's what we have guests on for, Misha. We, we have no cat owners among us. <laughs> Julia lived in Boston, but not in the same place. So, you know, it's important. Julia and I lived in Boston pretty near each other the entire time, and uh, we, we didn't know each other until after. It's one of, like, the great uh, disappointments of our relationship. But you know each other now, and that's what matters. And that's the thing, is, like, I know that Julia will pick up a lot of my Boston references. <laughs> like, we mm, do bond after the deep. fact. There you go. Speaking of dirty water, let's go ahead into the kitchen, where the water is clean, I promise, and get a quick refill. Let's do it. Hey, this is Julia, and welcome to The Refill. I know I'm not in this episode, but, you know, I just wanted to say hey. I love you guys. Also, I wanted to thank our newest patron, Jordan. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. You, of course, join the incredible supporting producer-level patrons like Alicia, Anne, Brittany, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Nieselkins, Lily, Megan Moon, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico Like, Captain Jonathan, Malachi Cosmos, Sarah Scott, and Zazie, and of course, our legend-level patrons, Ariana, Audra, Bex, Chibi-Yokai, Clara, Morgan, Sarah, Schmitty, and Me Up Scotty. And you also can join the Patreon go to patreon.com slash spirits podcast we have a lot of cool stuff there if you like these urban legends episodes and you want to hear more of them you can sign up right now and you can get a bunch of bonus urban legends episodes that we've recorded over the years and trust me we do save some of the best ones for those episodes so go check it out again that's patreon.com slash spirits podcast I have been trying to read a lot more lately. You know how it is. Sometimes you just want to escape reality, and so you pick up a good book. And one of the ones that I was really enjoying lately was The Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes by Cat Sebastian. I think sometime last year I probably recommended the first book in this series, and I picked up the sequel, and man is good. If you want to talk about great bi-representation of both the love interests in this book, pick it up right now. It's fantastic. It is great. I love a, a shiny, lovely criminal meets a very hardened lady, and I, oh boy, steamy, and I love it a lot. Check it out. That is The Perfect Crimes of Marion Hayes by Kat Sebastian. And of course, you can check out all of our recommendations by going to spiritspodcast.com slash books.
Now, of course, this is the time where I tell you about some interesting shows here that are part of the Multitude Collective, but I need to tell you, I need to tell you right now about the newest show here on the Multitude Collective, and that is Tell Me About It. Tell Me About It is a madcap game show about proving that the things you like are actually interesting, hosted by one of my favorite podcasters, Adel Rafai from Hello from the Magic Tavern and my personal favorite podcast, Hey Riddle Riddle, and our own friend Eric Silver. You've heard him on the pod many a times. Adel is playing an eccentric billionaire who has wrangled his quote-unquote audio butler, Eric, to prove that the single most interesting and cool thing ever is the movie musical Grease. You heard me right. That's the greatest thing in the universe. In every episode, a guest comes on to share and defend their favorite thing through a series of absurd games and challenges to prove that their favorite thing is actually better than Grease, the movie musical. Yes, the one with John Travolta. The trailer is out now, and the first two episodes drop February 23rd. If you're listening to this episode when it drops, that means they are out tomorrow, and you get new episodes after that every other Thursday. So if you go and subscribe to the podcast now, by tomorrow you'll have two new episodes in your feed. So go do it. Check it out. It is Tell Me About It. It is the most fun podcast produced by a multi-billionaire. And trust me, a lot of multi-billionaire podcasts, very boring. But Tell Me About It, a lot of fun. Go check it out. So now this is the time for me to tell you a little bit about our sponsors. And I have a question for you. Do you have anxious thoughts? Are you restless at night? Or do you just not feel like your best self? Seriously, making sure that you feel your best should always be your top priority. And by spending just a few minutes with calm each and every day, you can be sure that you're taking the necessary time to prioritize myself. I have not been sleeping well lately. I am the kind of person that I will wake up at two or three in the morning and then the idea of falling back to sleep is difficult, is near impossible. But sometimes I just open up my phone and I open up the Calm app and I am able to put on something that will relax me, will help ease my thoughts away from the anxious spiral that they were going down. And I really appreciate Calm for that. Calm helps you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. They have guided meditations, sleep stories, relaxing music tracks, and daily movement sessions, which are all designed to give you the tools to improve the way you feel. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm. And even if you've never like meditated before, I think you'll get the support you need to help reduce stress, improve focus, and uplift your mood. And like I said, the sleep stories, they are so helpful in drifting off in a way that'll help recharge your brain and not be super distracting. And for listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com spirit. Go to calm.com slash spirits for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash spirits. So I was away for a little while, and when I came back to my house, the first instinct that I had was... I need to clean my house. And normally that would be a very overwhelming feeling for me. I do not enjoy cleaning all of that much. But when I opened up my cabinet and I saw my Blue Land bottles waiting there and I smelled that Iris Agave spray, I was 
a little bit more motivated than I usually would be to start cleaning. And that's something that I really appreciate about Blueland, not only their beautiful bottles and their great scents, but also the ethos behind them. Because Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastics by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet. Their idea is super simple. They offer these beautiful, endlessly refillable cleaning products. You just fill your bottles with water, you drop in the little tablets, and you wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And the refills just start at $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner and laundry tablets, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. I highly recommend checking out their Clean Essentials Kit. It has everything you need to get started. It's three bottles of cleaner plus a bottle of their hand soap. And again, I love that Iris Agave scent, but also they have stuff like fresh lemon and you eucalyptus mint and blue land has a special offer just for spirits listeners you can get 15 percent off your first purchase of any product to get you and your year started off right to get 15 percent off your first order go to blueland.com spirits that's 15 percent off your first order right now when you go to blueland.com spirits that's blueland.com spirits this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. i'm gonna say it right now therapy is good I've been having a rough time lately, and I have started seeing my therapist more than I usually do. And it is just so nice to be able to talk through stressful situations with someone without overthinking how I'm feeling or the way that I'm reacting and just being able to be honest with someone who can give me honest feedback. And that's what I love best about therapy. My therapist helps me get closer to the best version of myself. And I think if you're considering checking out therapy or giving therapy a try, you should check out BetterHelp. It is convenient, it is flexible, it is affordable, and it is entirely online. You just have to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Things that I love about therapy. Therapy can make me feel empowered. It can make me feel more prepared to take on everything that life throws at me. And I feel like, you know, when you're feeling your best, you can do the best things. You know what I mean? But sometimes life gets you bogged down and you can feel overwhelmed. And therapy is a great resource to handle that kind of thing. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com spirits today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com spirits. And now let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, Misha, we always ask our guests what you have been enjoying uh, drinking recently, alcoholic or not. So what's been a, a comfort beverage for you of late? Well, the comfort beverage of late for me right now is just a classic coffee with Baileys in it. Mm. Um, I actually I got a really nice ceramic mug with like an embossed D20 on it when we were at PAX together. Yeah. And it fits my hand really nicely. Uh, it was like handmade. And uh, so I, I drink my coffee out of that every morning. I've been staying in rural Pennsylvania, moving back to my home in L.A. soon. And so we got to get rid of that Bailey's. So sometimes it's just a Bailey in the coffee's morning. You got to. Eric, what about you? Well, I have great news, Amanda. A few years ago, we were in Portland and we were invited to a, a nice distillery tour. Westward whiskey. Westward whiskey. Very good. Where you and Julia, unbeknownst to each other, got matching hats. 
yes, we have matching hats. They're beautiful. And I think I think you might recall the the last time we were together right before the pandemic, uh, I ordered an old fashioned made with Westward because they had at this whiskey bar we were at. You did. Uh, and it was like $26, which I was not. It was incredibly expensive. And you were like, oh, no, <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Did I order a second one then knowing it was $26? Yes, I did. Because you know what? Live a little. And you know what? Definitely don't regret it because I didn't go to a bar for two years after that. <laughs> That's right. But uh, they're now distributing Westward Whiskey in Cleveland. Yay! They've expanded. So there's a whole bunch of places that have it. I was so thrilled when I saw it. So I picked up a bottle of their uh, stout cask aged bourbon, which was oh, very damn. good. And I'll probably get a uh, their their regular next time I'm at the store. I will say like the $26 makes a lot of sense because the bottle is about 90. Uh, but oh. I, I've significantly decreased my drinking for the new year. And so splurging on a nice bottle is is, is what I'm going to be going with this year rather than just drinking some some bullet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. And uh, we have been stocking up recently on Arnold Palmer cans, the Arizona mm-hmm. brand. They make the like regular soda can size. And listen, there are tall boys. Those are nice. But the small crushable cans are the ones that I truly love. And we have people over for the Super Bowl and lots of people for various reasons don't drink. So we always make sure to have seltzer and lots of lemons and limes and Arnold Palmer's on tap, by which I mean in our fridge. So it was very fun for everybody to be like very excited to see these half and half iced tea lemonades, which you can add lemon to. You can dilute them with some seltzer. You can just have them with ice or you can just crush a can, by which I mean drink it very fast and then crush the actual can because I only have so big of a recycling bin. Yeah, there is something about physically crushing crushing a can while you're watching the big game, you know? Yeah. It was very, very nice. Well, we just heard a story about a cat and a whole bunch of stuff about a creepy house we used to live in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've got a story titled Haunted Hotel, The Painted Cat Thief. Oh. Interesting. This comes to us from Sarah, and she writes... I listen to spirits as I walk to my university in London, though I am from California. I'm a chaotic listener just choosing random episodes depending on what I'm feeling. I love that. I just love like rolling the dice and see what you end up with. Yeah, yeah. Spin the wheel. Let's land on it. Because of that, I only just ran into the Urban Legends episodes about haunted hotels. And I was disappointed because I have a great haunted hotel story. So hopefully at some point you'll find a place to fit this in. And here it is. Hotels, great for haunting stories, liminal spaces, especially the hallways of hotels. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Misha, do you know about my my sexy hotel scale? <laughs> no. Do you know about this? This is very important. <laughs> so one, one time I was, I was abandoned in New York City by weather, and I had to just get a hotel. And I got this hotel called The Standard which was an extremely sexy hotel. But everyone was at the front desk was a hipster, uh, which was weird because it was like 2019. Um, but then there was also like a pleather lips pillow on the bed, which is what really made it weird. What? And so since then, I've, I've found a scale between six and nine, of course. Yeah. And that, that is the, the sexiness scale of hotels. So if you're ever trying to figure out how sexy a hotel is, uh, come to me. I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So- Eric, does a haunting improve or lower the sexiness score of a hotel? I need to know more about the base of the hotel because, because Misha, we've determined that that roadside hotel, that's that's a nine, surprisingly. 
That's yeah. the sexiest okay. hotel. Why do you go there? Because people are, because you're only going there for one thing. Yeah. No, d- you know, true. At a Holiday Inn is a six. I, I don't know if the sex you go to a roadside motel for is very sexy. No, but it's the sexiest type of hotel. But it's explicitly about sex. Yeah. I, I hear you. We're I'm just not, saying we're like, reading not the ambiance, but the like the sex you have there is a little desperate. It's not that sexy. That's true. That's true. No, no, no. But it's it's not about how how sexy the vibe is. It's about how dedicated the vibe is to sex. Got it. Okay. Understood. Yeah. 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 Sexiness as like a, a data a quantitative, not sexy. Like it is sexy. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So I think I think if it's one of those, it actually does make it less sexy. If there's yeah. a ghost at one of those, because that's it's already a <laughs> kind of creepy hotel as well. So once sure. there's a ghost involved, you're not good. But that but a really nice hotel, real upscale hotel that's like an eight point five, and then there's also a spooky ghost. I think that might get it to a nine. <laughs> wow. Okay. What a system. I think it very much depends on on how the haunting is going. If you're in like <laughs> yeah. a room 1408 movie situation, that's definitely lowering the sexiness. Yeah. But maybe if it's just like a little like, hello, kind of thing. A, a little a little flash of skirt, a mm-hmm. little, uh, you know, strong shoulder in a in a shirt, you know, passing through the balcony. Ooh. Exactly. Yeah, sure. A little your Victorian shift uh, moving in a wind that no right. one else can feel. Great. Yeah. A little whisper. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you don't, you, ooh, a, a third voice in here, interesting. <laughs> little flutter of the curtain. <laughs> it goes in the corner, just like, I just like to watch. No, see, if, that, if that's it, I think that lowers it a bit. <laughs> unless, that unless, unless, that, unless that's what you want. I, that's really, I guess that's a personal thing. If that's you a want a ghost thing. to watch you fuck, then, <laughs> then sure, that could up it for you. For me, I don't think that would that would assist me in my in my <laughs> enjoyment of the hotel. All right. Well, let's hear about this hotel. <laughs> yes. Anyways, I I'm sorry. I did I didn't mean to bring in my tangent about sexy hotels, but I I, I was like <laughs> I think most people want to know this story, but I don't know if Misha knows it because no. all of them I've almost always been staying at these hotels at multitude events, so like <laughs> I've been it? able to rate them live with everybody. Yeah, Misha, the lowest rating of a hotel Eric has stayed at during a work event was, of course, the podcast conference we went to about six months before lockdown where um, they were out of rooms and so Eric stayed in fully just a corporate (laughs) meeting room with a bed all the way over in just the side. It was a Murphy bed so it was very uncomfortable but the other side of the room there was a full full boardroom table with 12 chairs at that in the dark the room was so large I mean we're talking 25 foot ceilings the room was so large that I couldn't see the walls. And you don't want to be in a hotel room where you can't see all the walls because you're used to hotel rooms being no. cramped or or of a smaller size. This was massive in a way where it's like anything could be going yeah. on literally 30 feet away from me and it would be the same room. So remember how I was saying how hotel hallways are great for hauntings because they're liminal mm-hmm. spaces? Hotel yeah. boardrooms are great for demon summonings because they're liminal but yes. evil spaces. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Great great place to throw my 29th birthday party though, which was happening at that <laughs> conference. So I mean, worked out yeah. worked out very beneficially, but was a real creepy, real creepy sleeping situation. Anyways, let's get back to Sarah's story. <laughs> My sister's wedding took place at a cool hotel near Portland. The hotel was full of kooky and somewhat creepy art and surprises. For example, there are a lot of exposed pipes, and all of the beds have somewhat creepy faces painted onto them. The building started out as a poor farm and a refuge for diseased women in the 1910s. A perfect recipe for ghosts! Yep, yep, already not good. And much of the art, though painted later, is supposed to reflect that history. 
those aren't the vibes you want your hotel patrons okay, getting as soon as they walk in the lobby. So the souls of the sick women were trapped in the paintings. That's not good. Oh, no. There we go. There are so many reported legends and ghost sightings that there is a binder with all of them behind the front desk. Binders full of ghost women. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you're on this episode. I'm so glad you got there. I know. God, Eric has never been tickled like that by any joke I've ever said. <laughs> I, I don't know. You've, you've made some great jokes, Amanda. L- roll back the tapes. There's lots of times I've laughed at your jokes. All right, all right, all right. We asked for a mini tour of some of the ghostly sightings, and in our brief overview, one story stuck out. There was a painting of five women dressed in the fashion of the early 1930s or so. They were in color-coordinated shades of brown, teal, and pastel purple. Their faces are painted with particularly large eyes that appear to stare somewhat blankly as you walk by. There's something unusual about one of the women, Four of them are wearing matching plain black heels, but the second woman from the left is barefoot. Don't like that. Okay. Don't like that. They should match. If they match, they should match. They should match. Yes. Yeah. Around the corner, there is a painting of a black cat with a shoe in its mouth. (gasps) The shoe is not the black shoe from the painting, but according to my memory, a more modern looking lace up shoe. The manager giving us a tour explained that, legend has it, this painted cat is a thief of shoes, and a long time ago is believed to have stolen the shoes of the women in the paintings around the corner. The manager also said that on several occasions, guests had found their shoes missing, hinted that this is not just some spooky situation in which the cat can only move from portrait to portrait, but she can actually leave the painting and take mortal world objects into the painting. Hell yeah. We thought it was a cute story, but most likely that it just adds a tale to the hotel's haunted charm. But on the day of the wedding, tragedy ensued. Mm. My sister, the bride, lost her shoes. Yeah, I was going to say no one could lose their shoes to the ghost cat but the bride. No, no. (laughs) Everyone ran around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to find the place where the shoes were to no avail. My sister-in-law's parents ended up the heroes driving into town and purchasing five new pairs of shoes for the bride to choose from. Now, Amanda, you were you were recently married. Yes. Is that the number of shoes you would want to to select from if if your shoes suddenly went missing on your day? Yeah, no, that's that's very smart. I did bring a backup. Eric and I both brought backup pairs of shoes, you know, if anything went wrong. But yes, that that is feels like a nightmare. <laughs> and I uh, absolutely would appreciate the choice. Yeah. We figured they would turn up unpacked under the seat of someone's car or something like that the next day, but they didn't. They were never seen from again. Since the event, several theories have been postulated. Mm -hmm. So here we have, we have three different theories, three different logical answers we could select from or possibly spooky answers. The black cat from the painting stole the shoes and they are lost somewhere in the depths of the world of paintings. Staff from the hotel are stealing shoes and telling the story of the painted cat as a thief to cover it up. (laughs) The photographer took the shoes to take photos of them and left them somewhere. And then they were either stolen or lost to the ethers. Personally, I like to believe theory one, though I do love a good conspiracy theory. Let me know which theory you think is the most plausible. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Sarah. The most plausible? Because it's a ghost cat? Get it. <laughs> oof, oof. Now, Amanda, you said earlier that I've 
never laughed at one of your jokes the way I laughed at Misha's, but I also don't think I've ever oofed as much as one of your jokes as I did that. You know, so. extremes today. It happens. Now, I, I do want to say, so photographers, you know, at weddings, they'll take a picture of like the, you know, the rings, the invitation, the shoes, the tie, all that stuff. But I have never trusted anyone more than the photographer, Danielle, at my wedding. I like gave her all the important items we need and nobody was more on top of like where things were and where they needed to be and when than Danielle. So that I could not believe that a wedding photographer would misplace such an important item. Yeah. I mean, of these three options, like the the outcomes of them, right, is is what I'm thinking about. So option one, Ghost Cat offered the shoes up to the, the world of paintings. And that's that's your offering. And pray they don't take more because, you know, they're capricious over there. <laughs> option two, jail. Nope. Just jail, 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 jail. <laughs> Option three, uh, option three, like I can imagine, I have now dealt with enough vendors and contractors to imagine that someone you have hired who has lost or misplaced a precious item to you uh, or, or like a necessary needed item like shoes on your wedding day might truly attempt to cover it up. But in which case you got to take them to the Better Business Bureau. So like, yeah, of those three options, the most fun, like, action items clearly belong to the ghost cat mm. to the to the cat painting mm-hmm. just like i i would rather move forward with my life believing that that's what happened to the shoes rather than follow up the far more mundane and carceral consequences of someone else having taken these shoes i love the idea of the hotel staff doing it i think that i think that what a grift what a perfect grift. it's really good there's an episode of community where that happens <laughs> There's an episode where, like, you know, uh, they, like, break a precious item and somebody who's seen every TV show knows how replacing a precious broken item works. So they, like, blame it on their landlord, who it turns out has been stealing shoes from every woman in the building and they just open a closet and it's full of shoes. So that's all I can think is that Mm, it's got to be the staff, not just the whole staff. One person on the staff is taking all the shoes and the rest of the people have heard so much stories about this one staff member who's pretty good at covering it up. They're like, yeah, it, it actually might be a ghost. And the one person's like, yeah, a ghost. That's a good way to explain what's been happening. No one look into it further than that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just now realizing, so occasionally Misha, as you know, as a listener of the show, you know, we will read stories where you realize that like you were the cryptid, right? Or yeah. like you were the urban legend all along. And a few different times, so especially when I was younger, I would go, you know, kind of backpacking and like, you know, visiting friends and things like that with, you know, just a backpack to, to travel mm-hmm. with, um, definitionally. And I normally not bring any changes of shoes because that's like the bulkiest item you can bring. But occasionally I would bring, you know, I would like wear, you know, boots, but then pack tennis shoes. And whenever possible, I would bring a pair of shoes that were like on their last legs Mm -hmm. so that I didn't have to bring them back. So that way, if I, you know, bought something on the road, I could sort of replace it in the backpack. And my tennis shoes that were, you know, four years old and I was intending to get rid of anyway, A, they could get dirty on the, you know, walking through Peru or whatever, and it wouldn't matter. And I would just leave them behind and throw them out at the end of my stay. And mostly I was staying in hostels then or with my friends and not at a hotel. But I am wondering if I were a hotel housekeeper and walked into a hotel room and somebody had left and there was simply a pair of shoes like Mm. in the trash can or under the desk i find that pretty creepy i don't think i would think ah someone must have forgotten their shoes because that seems like a thing you don't forget i would immediately think rapture the raptures happened (laughs) 
<laughs> there, there's something about shoes left behind as a lost item that is different yeah, than other articles yeah. of clothing. Because as, as a kid, I used to lose hats everywhere. Um, sure. But there's something about shoes that's like a person could not leave without these and yet they have. Yeah. That that just it, it really way. speaks to something. It's also like the thing closest to the ground. So you feel like if you yeah, like the rapture, like if you picked someone up, they might accidentally like their shoes might get stuck to the ground and they might leave the shoes behind. There's Yeah, there's something about the way shoes are like connected to the ground and motion that says like, ooh, a person's yeah. not here, but they left behind their uh, their walkers. Ooh, that's mm, don't like. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on, I do want to I do want to really call out Amanda's beautiful accidental pun of the shoes being on their last legs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was Thank worth you. going back for, yeah. actually. Thank you. Now, Misha, I was going to read another story, but I am I am so intrigued about your self-frothed uh, frenzy. Oh, my gosh. That I yeah. need to hear about this story. <laughs> okay, so this, uh, I grew up in uh, Westchester, New York, and my house was sort of on a cul-de-sac pretty far into the woods. Like, you know, it was a pretty woodsy area where I grew up, but even some friends of mine would go, like, to get to my house, they'd be going, like, oh, you kind of live in the woods here. You know, they were always, like, clearing out sections of the woods to increase the cul-de-sac, and they would, like, I remember once they put in, like, six new houses, and there were six new lots, and my dad used to take me sort of, like, tromping through those woods, and we found the signs as we were tromping that, like, oh, we're going to clear this section of the woods, and, uh, like, they started doing it, but that didn't stop my dad from taking me to explore the woods. We were just, like, Looking back on it now, we were definitely trespassing on people's properties anyway. But land ownership is theft, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And like, if people weren't living in the houses yet, then it's owned by a property developer and that doesn't count. Well, right. So the house next door to me got knocked down and in its place was being built a huge McMansion. They went from like a one-story, almost chicken coop looking house to a huge McMansion. So there, there was an extended building process. And while they were building it on the construction worker stays off me and my friends would go and climb through the wooden structure it was probably not the safest thing in the world so me and two kids from my block who were not my friends but like you know they're around and you kind of hang out with them sometimes we were running around being kids and i don't know who saw it first but like somebody spotted a guy sitting on top of the structure as we were walking away from it. It was like, is someone up there? Mm-hmm. And we looked up and we we thought maybe, you know, it must have been like a trick of the light or a, a tree or whatever. But, you know, we all maybe saw, thought we saw something, but weren't quite sure. We ran off into the rest of the street. Now, my street met the main street that cut through the woods and kind of like at a T-stop, right? at the That was where our bus stop was. Um, and like going down from there was our cul-de-sacs. There were like two cul-de-sacs that on my street. So we were like playing and running around. We ran up to the T-stop and we saw a car drive by and like we all three of us said we saw someone in the back seat and that person maybe looked like they were lying down and didn't have their eyes open which you know could just be a person asleep in the back seat but one of us said they saw them bleeding out of their face and all three of us now we're you know 9 10 11 years old mm-hmm. prime hysteria like movements and so we're like yeah we totally saw that yeah 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 (laughs) and then like 20 minutes later we saw the same car drive back the other direction with no one in the back seat and we went oh they definitely buried that person in the woods oh and then we went back to the construction site and now i'm 
at this point, I'm pretty sure one of my neighbors who was kind of a bully was messing with me, right? But like started saying like, oh, that guy's back and he's bleeding from the eyes this time. And so now we're whipping ourselves into a frenzy of like, we've constructed an entire narrative where this dude's ghost was like trying to flag us down before they buried the body in the woods. And now the ghost wants us to go find it. And like, we didn't end up doing a lot of that kind of stuff because I had been in trouble a couple of times for running off into the woods and staying out past, you know, when my parents would have wanted me back. Uh, so I knew that like running off into the woods past our street so far was not like maybe the best idea my parents would get mad. The start of this episode, Misha, I'm I'm not that spooky, I'm not spooky. later on this episode. I always used to just get in trouble for running out into the woods. <laughs> There was like a park that was like, there were plenty of nature trails, well trodden, well upkept by the parks department. Like I lived in a hiking area. Like this is, you know, there was also like a pretty well-marked like power line trail with like, you know, you could take like a four-wheeler, like a truck and go out and maintain those things. And you could just go there. It wasn't like, there, there wasn't like a barbed wire fence. You could just go. You don't have to justify yourself. We, we are in the vibe. I'm just saying. We're good. You're connecting We're some good. dots here. So I said, maybe we shouldn't run off into the woods and try to chase down and find this body. And my friends were like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And we all went home. And then like three days later, I swear I saw that dude in that construction site again. And I never told anybody about that until this podcast. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Whoa, I saw him again. Exclusive. Now, I'm not like a huge believer in ghosts. I really don't. But I do believe in the power of suggestion. <laughs> and I was a very suggestible little child who read a lot of fantasy and like YA literature and was all I was looking around every corner for my call to adventure. I thought one day I was going to find a magic sword and like run off to a fairy tale land. Any moment that was going to happen to me. Yeah. So it was very suggestible and I, I do think that the power of suggestion is uh, very strong, especially in moldable young minds. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's the time I saw a bloody-eyed ghost uh, with my neighbors. Incredible. Misha, you brought everything I expected you to to this episode and so much more. Thank you. I miss this show. I miss being on this show. This is a good time. Well, uh, we're going to have to have you back. That's why you are a past, present, and future guest. Yay! And Misha, if people cannot get enough of your humor and spookiness and fantasy nerddom, can you let them know where to find you and follow your work online? Sure. Uh, you can find my work at my website, MishaStanton.com. You can follow me on Twitter for what that's still worth at Misha, etc. M-I-S-C-H-A-E-T-C. Uh, if you like my nerddom and my humor and a little bit of my spookiness, please check out sci-fi adventure podcast that I make called Star Tripper, which like I do a lot of work for Multitude and I do a lot of work for bigger clients. And this is just my little show that is nearest and dearest to my heart. And I make it because it makes me laugh and it's it warms me. And if I hope you all like it, too. Can confirm. It is excellent. Well, Eric, uh, for the first time without Julia here, I need you to help me oh, remind boy. our listeners. Okay. Okay. Two. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Nailed it. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. 
Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.